I have got good news and bad news. But the good news is tremendous. So it's really like I've got tremendous news and then the little bad news. The tremendous news must start the show. According to a report earlier today in the Times of London, Martin Ziegler reporting that the 2022 World Cup in Qatar set to stay at 32 teams. Amen. There had been plans, you know, of expanding the Qatar World Cup, or Qatar World Cup, I guess we should call it, to 48 teams for 2022, and even expanded into another country or two. Right around Qatar. Well, according to Ziegler... No more, says uh, FIFA. They will not be doing the 48 teams in Qatar or the countries around the Middle East, the neighboring countries. So according to that report in the Times, Martin Ziegler, and it has been, uh, actually, Sports Illustrated is also using Ziegler's report, talking about it. So that is fantastic news. It's not supposed to be officially announced until early June, But they will not, uh, according to Ziegler, that is off the table. That is fantastic. But the bad news is that means the first World Cup that will be going to 48 teams is United States, Canada, and Mexico in 2026. Why do I say, because I love the fact that we're getting the World Cup and I love the fact that we're sharing it with Mexico and Canada. I hate the 48-team World Cup. 32 is just the perfect Number, why are we screwing with this? I know why. Don't get smart. It's money. It's more overall games, but some of the things that they proposed for a 48-team World Cup are ridiculous. Teams only getting two games, potentially, instead of three, before they might be sent home. That's absurd. That's absurd. All that work to qualify, I know it'll be easier to qualify technically. You still got to go through it. You still got to go through the process, and it's going to be hard work still. It's not like everybody gets in. I know it's going to be easier, quote-unquote. All that hard work to maybe play two games? Just ridiculous, especially since we're so used to what has become the perfect number, 32. It just works out so nicely. Why is FIFA... look? FIFA gets a lot of grief, and they deserve the lion's share of it, right? They make a, some bad decisions. They've made a lot of great decisions over the last couple of decades. They really have. I know that's hard to say. Nobody wants to give FIFA any credit for anything ever. But I'm not that stupid. I'm not that short-sighted. FIFA's made a lot of great decisions for the beautiful game. But this is certainly not one of them. It's good news that in 2022, we don't even have to hassle with that, right? We're going to have that late, kind of late of the year, November, December World Cup, but we don't have to screw around with two games and you're out, potentially. At least they'll get the full three games. It's the 32-team, great format. So that's a bit of good news. Well, it's a lot of good news. Uh, not quite as good a news. LAFC get a draw with FC Dallas. You heard it here on ESPN LA. You know, it was a rugged game. Full credit to FC Dallas. The more I think about this, I got to give them credit for the way they came out. 
You know, it's harder and harder for teams to actually want to go toe-to-toe with LAFC. And even if you want to, sometimes it looks like you're not because LAFC generally runs you over in the midfield. So it doesn't really matter whether you want to play. Seattle went out and tried to play against LAFC, right? They got run over in that first game. It's not because Seattle was backing away, backing away. They tried to play. They couldn't. So a credit to FC Dallas for, hey, figuring it out after the first matchup. We're just going to send the long balls. Why why screw around with the midfield when LAFC is so dominant there? Now, of course, LAFC was missing Eduardo Tuesta, who, you know, look, I've got some high praise for Atuesta. I really do. I'm just trying to make sure I don't go too overboard with it. But I got to say... He is, you know, he's just really, really good. Let's put it that way. And I've started to think more about Edward Atuesta. I hope he's not listening because he's young and I don't want him to get a big head. But I really believe this. This is not hyperbole. I know a lot of people don't watch enough MLS or maybe you've only seen bits and pieces of Atuesta. Maybe you're a Galaxy fan or maybe you're listening around the country and you like some other team, or maybe you're a Liverpool fan, you don't really watch much MLS. Edward Atuesta, hear me right now, could play anywhere. Anywhere. He's that good. Yeah. I've decided that. I've, lo- I've watched long enough. I've seen when he's in there. I've seen when he's not in there. I've seen him develop. He can play anywhere. The young Colombian can go wherever he wants if these teams are smart, and he can play anywhere. Now, that doesn't mean, no, I'm not sitting here telling you he's one of the best 11 players in the world yet. Don't overreact. But if you want to overreact, as always, at Talk Soccer on Twitter, (laughs) that's where everybody overreacts. But Edward Atuesta is good enough. And he is that good. He can play anywhere. That's what I've noticed out of this uh, LAFC. Look, 9-1-4 would have been nice to get to two straight wins against Dallas. It's hard to beat a team twice in a row. It's especially hard to beat a team twice in a row in a matter of like three days, less than 72 hours. And especially when the second game is on the road. In other words, LAFC get that home win pretty easily, in fact. It's always going to be tough to go out and get. We've seen it twice now. Seattle, Galaxy, or a bigger part, LAFC crushed Seattle in the first meeting. Then it's a little tougher in the second one. That's where two of the draws have taken place, remember, out of this 9-1-4 record. LAFC, so good. Still only one loss. Only the one loss on the road. They're 3-1-3 on the road. Remember last year, something to keep an eye on. Last year, LAFC finished below 500 on the road. I don't know if people remember that. They were 7-8-2. So, yeah, they got a lot of wins on the road, which was impressive. But they started to drop games. They're not losing on the road this year with uh, as much, I guess, regularity, if you will. We're seven games through the road schedule. 3-1-3 is not too shabby. And, of course, you just got to stay really virtually unbeatable at home. That's what you got to do. And so far, so good for LAFC. Uh, LA Galaxy, not so much. Another tough loss. 
this one was ugly. No Zlatan because of the two-game suspension, which he'll continue to serve one more. And they lose to the team that hadn't gotten a win previously, and they lose at home to Colorado. The Sea Rapids, the Crapids, as I like to call them occasionally. <laughs> Colorado's awful, and they beat the Galaxy at Dignity Health Sports Park. Yikes. Four straight losses. Remember when the Galaxy were the second-best team in MLS and we weren't lying? Hoy. Four straight losses. They've now lost two games at home this year. They're 1-3-1 and one on the road. So a very pedestrian, now 7-5-1. and one. And, oh, by the way, still without Zlatan for this tricky little game going to Orlando coming up Friday. And it was ugly against Colorado. I know a lot of people say, well, it wasn't that bad. No, it was bad. It's just, sorry, sometimes the result is all that matters. I know sometimes teams play pretty well, and it doesn't look too bad. And, you know, things go, breaks go against them. Sorry, this game was so wide open. I mean, again, you could drive a Mack truck through the LA Galaxy midfield and defense most of the time. Colorado's not a great team, so they didn't really take that much advantage of it. But, whoa. I know, Zlatan's out. And again, it's it's pretty clear that this team is still very Zlatan-reliant, and why wouldn't you be? He's that good. I understand that. It's kind of like, you know, no kidding, Denholm. But that's tough when he's out. But most importantly, and Mario, you'll back me up on this, the great producer of the show, Mario Reyes, the LA Galaxy are now winless since they were banned from Soccer Weekly. You got a point, Dave. They were banned last week, and now they're winless. Still so haven't won cursed, a game. I guess. Hey, well, I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. I'm not saying it, but I'm saying they're winless since they were banned. And they're still banned from Soccer Weekly. We will have no player nor any personnel, except for Chris Klein. He's allowed to break the ban. But he's the president, right? So we go, we go right to the top, potentially. I haven't heard from him yet. Everybody else is banned. They're not allowed on the show. Now, if Mauricio Cienfuegos calls in, he might get on. I like well, that he's, guy. he's no longer <laughs> part of the galaxy. I mean, he's always, you know, galaxy till he dies. Of course. But you know what I mean. I mean, yes. But he's the only one allowed in my books. That's fair. No Kobe Jones. I believe he still works on the TV side. Nope. Sorry, Kobe. Love you. Good friend of mine. No. No players. No coach. None of these PR people begging us. We tried to get a hold of these guys for so long. I'm calling them out. That they're banned. And now they're winless since they were banned. So make your own conclusions. That's all I'm saying. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Massive show still to come. Going to talk with Christian Ramirez, forward for LAFC in the Black and Gold Breakdown. We got news and notes from the Gold Cup. Oh, and a very interesting stoppage time as well, as you might expect. I am Dave Denholm. You are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm. You hit me up on Twitter, at Talk Soccer. This is the home of world football in Southern California. And being world football, just quickly want to mention, we were talking initially about that story from the Times of London, Martin Ziegler, who uh, broke the story of the FIFA's decision to not expand the World Cup in Qatar to 48 teams. FIFA then later in the day, later to, earlier today, but later, said, uh, yeah, they, they confirmed that. that it's going to be 32 teams at the World Cup in 2022. We'll see what happens going forward in 2026. Now, a gentleman who wants to be part of that is joining us now for Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! 
It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this right now. He is the LAFC forward Christian Ramirez, part of the preliminary roster for the Gold Cup coming up here this summer for the United States. Christian, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, we got a breakdown. It's black and gold breakdown. We'll start there, Christian. Uh, LAFC off to, well, really a, a very hot start. Certainly one of the best starts in league history. What's going on with you guys? You're getting the lion's share of the starts up front. This offense is flying with Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi and you up front, and obviously the midfield's playing great. Why is it working so well right now for the black and gold? I think we're just hungry. Um, we understand uh, each other a lot more. Um, we got this is our second year, so we understand what it takes to win. And um, I think we're just taking the right approach of game by game, trying to get better and trying to continue to get results and play the way that, that we know we can play. Well, we know how you guys have been playing, Christian. What are you doing specifically? What is your role that you believe, you know, every time you step on the field, what do you have to do for LAFC to be successful? Uh, it, just, it starts off with, with my, my pressing um, up top, um, yeah. me setting the line, um, making sure that Carlos and Diego are, are narrow with me so that we have a, a good pressing formation to, to start up there and uh, my reactions to the counter press and, and then scoring goals. Um, I know that Carlos is scoring tons and Diego's scoring tons, but um, I'm going to get going and help help in whatever way I can and uh, bring another dynamic to it, and uh, that's part of, of being a forward. Well, Christian, you mentioned something, scoring goals, and I thought it was interesting. We We know the play earlier in the season. You had a miss in front. I said it on the air that, Virtually every forward is going to have at least a few of those in their entire career. You know, you're going to miss ones that people are just like, wow. And you came out on social media, interestingly enough, and kind of talked about that. Not right away, but very recent, you know, right after it happened, essentially. What was the reasoning for that? Why do you want to go on social media that quickly? What is it about soccer? Because we see that a lot in the beautiful game. People coming up, stepping up, essentially, and not and not backing away from it. Oh, with any with any miss, it comes with disappointment on on being able to to help your team. If I score that goal, we walk out of there with with three points. And yes, there was things that happened in that game. Um, but uh, as a forward, I, I'm hard on myself. I'm harder than anybody can be on on myself. Um, yeah. So just wanted to. I felt like I let my my teammates down at that point, but they all had my back. My coaches had my back, and um, still believe in me and. Uh, just continue to to work to continue to prove them right, and um, I got a lot of hate for for that miss. <laughs> Probably the most hate I've ever gotten in my career. Um, so it, it was definitely an interesting dynamic. But um, I'm a grown man; I can I can own up to things and mm-hmm. and not let it affect me the next day or the next play. Well, see, that's interesting. That's what I was going to ask. Does it help you to do that? Because that's all that really matters. It doesn't matter about the yeah, fans. Yeah, no. It, it definitely just it lets you, um, instead of bottling all that in, you just yeah. air, air out what you need to air out and, and move on. Yeah, isn't that the kind of same when teams are struggling in a sense? You just got to get that locker room meeting and get it out there. I mean, you guys wouldn't know for yeah, LAFC no, this that, year. That, but that's definitely true. Yeah, and we're talking with Christian Ramirez, LAFC forward here on the Black and Gold Breakdown. Christian, what do you think are some of the similarities and some of the differences between you and Adama, you know, in the terms of the style of play, because there's been success with either of you up front. What are some of the similarities first, and what are some of the differences in your games? 
I think we both bring stuff that um, that's unique. Um, he he likes to to roam a bit more and go get involved in the game and and is a powerful runner. Um, he he's a good finisher and and that stuff. And um, I, I pride myself on my movement off the ball and uh, continuing to add more of, of getting involved more and more in the game and taking pride in and making it easier on on Diego and Carlos by covering for them or opening up space for them. Um, so it just on a week in week out basis on what, what Bob and the coaching staff sees and, uh, who, who goes, we, we know it's not our decision and we just play our, our role. You know, I like talking to you because you don't mess around. You do, you tell the truth. You came out, as we said, you talked on social media about it. Let me ask you this. Obviously you want to score 25, 30 goals a year. I mean, that's just what a goal scorer does. You, in your past, you've had, years we had 14 goals for minnesota adama wants to score 25 goals carlos i get that but when a team's having a lot of success can you still completely separate it or is it still a case of you have to look at your own performance as well i mean yeah it's great lafc is winning but do you still have one eye on what you want to do as well uh always but um at the same time when you um I want to be known as a winner. We all want to be known as winners. And um, there's a place and time for individual um, stats and stuff that that go on. But as long as we're winning, um, I'll be the first to tell you that I'm happy. Um, If we win the MLS Cup and we don't lose another game the rest of this year, um, yeah, I'd be a a bit upset not to score a goal the rest of the year. But if I'm starting and playing a role (laughs) and and score and Carlos ends up with 30 goals and Diego with 30 and we win the MLS Cup then job well done but yeah um, but you're not going to yeah. remember it when that confetti is falling on you and you're hoisting <laughs> yeah. that trophy you know that's that's exactly right it is a team sport after yeah. all maybe more so than just about any other team sport left uh, frankly uh, MLS and soccer in general we're talking with Christian Ramirez the forward for LAFC as they get ready for a game coming up against Montreal at the bank, and i got to ask you about it. You know, you'll probably get asked about it a lot, but, boy, Bank of California Stadium has truly become a fortress, and it's not just the way you guys are playing. You guys are being spurred on by some of the best fans I think we've seen in North America, really in any sport, let alone Major League Soccer, Christian. What's it like to play in front of the 3252 and Bank of California Stadium? Oh, it's been unreal, um, and I think the, their energy continues to to get raised game in and game out. Um, they come up with something new each game and that, that sort of blows your mind, uh, whether it's from the start of up or at halftime or whatever. Uh, they they bring their, their own uniqueness um, and they keep it loud and they get everybody involved. And um, it's something that when, you, when you're in the opposition, um, you sort of become in awe a little bit and get lost in it. Um, and you start to feel that pressure, not just of us on the field, but them on top of you. Um, and, and it really benefits us. We're talking with Christian Ramirez. Christian, uh, you are still a young man, certainly, but on this team, you're kind of, you're certainly a seasoned veteran. There's so many guys who are even veterans, but are still so young. And one of them, I know you, you. You know your teammates are all doing great. Frankly, there's really a, a, there's no better start that I've seen in MLS. But I want to point out to one guy and ask you, why is Eduardo Tuesta so good? Uh, um, he just, I think he's he's the the piece that connects everything. Um, he he controls the tempo of the game for us. 
with his passing, with his calmness. Um, he wins so many balls in transition that keeps the other team in their own half, doesn't let him out. Um, he's our anchor, and then um, he's got that poise. He's, he's mature for his age, and um, you can see it in the way he plays and his presence. Um, and uh, You've seen such a huge jump from last year to this year because he's so much more comfortable um, with everything around him, with the language, with the city, with everything, and then Bob's playing style. So it's definitely um, been pretty cool to see his growth. Well, Christian, you've grown up with MLS. You've now played in MLS for a long time here. Uh, let me ask you, Chris Wondolowski breaks the goal-scoring record. Tremendous, and the way he did it was just unbelievable. Classy guy. Would you say, though, and I, I don't mean any no disrespect to Chris Wondolowski, is Landon Donovan the best player you've seen in this league throughout, or is there somebody else you might point to? Uh, best player and best goal scorer, I would say, are two different categories for myself. Yeah. Um, yes, Landon's probably the best American soccer player we've had. Him and Dempsey are, are, are neck and neck for that. Um, but I just think Wando, what he's done in the MLS, his goal scoring record, um, the way he's gone about it, uh, it's been impressive. Um, it's something that you look at and I've tried to pick his, his brain several times and, and do little things that he, that's made him successful. Um, it, it's been awesome to see. I have now, uh, I have a, one of his game worn jerseys that he signed for me. Uh, so that's definitely more valuable now, now that he broke that record. So uh, I'm thankful for that. Always thinking, Christian Ramirez. Now let's ask you about that U.S. men's national team. We got the pre- preliminary uh, ro- rosters coming out. Uh, if it's none of our business, don't tell us. But what is Greg Berhalter kind of telling you? You know, I mean, you got obviously got to go in there. You still got to get to get to work uh, to get on that Gold Cup roster, right? Yeah, I think you just have to show well the next two games and. And hopefully make that cut. Um, that's all you can really control is how you perform week in and week out, knowing that the coaching staff is watching. You never know what could happen. Um, if somebody goes down with an injury or, uh, somebody isn't released for what, for whatever reason, yeah. you just always have to be ready. And, um, it's, it's been a dream of mine to be able to play in a competitive tournament with this country and hopefully, um, I can make that final cut, but I know I have to play well in the next couple games. To, to put that extra pressure on the coaching staff to, to choose me. Well, we are looking forward to it. We wish you, wish you nothing but the best. LAFC forward Christian Ramirez here for Black and Gold Breakdown. Christian, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. We'll see you soon. Thank you. You bet. Christian Ramirez forward for LAFC as they're off to just an absolute – it's not even a start anymore. We're already deep into the season. They're just blazing at 9-1-4, and four, and he's been playing virtually uh, – he started most of the games up front, uh, over, what, 80% now that he has started up front – for the Black and Gold. We appreciate him joining us here on Black and Gold Breakdown. And good luck to him again with the U.S. men's national team along with his teammates, Walker Zimmerman and Tyler Miller. Hey, still to come, we've got to talk about the Gold Cup rosters, the preliminary rosters that I just mentioned, and stoppage time, all that and so much more still to come as we roll on here on the home of world football in Southern California. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm, the voice of Soccer Weekly and of Los Angeles Football Club. You can hear LAFC, the black and gold, right here on ESPN LA. we got a game coming up Friday against Montreal Impact at the Bank, Bank of California Stadium. See if LAFC get back on their winning ways, which they've been doing a whole lot of this season. Currently first in the Western Conference, first in all of MLS, 9-1-4. and four. 
LA Galaxy playing on Friday as well, taking on Orlando. So that'll be an interesting little uh, game there in Orlando, in the heat. Remember, no Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Now, got some Gold Cup stuff to get to as the provisional rosters were out. But I got I to gotta mention something else with MLS. It happened earlier today, on Wednesday. Uh, news out of Seattle with the Sounders. Chad Marshall, the uh, central the defender, he was the defender of the year three times in MLS, 16-year career. He has announced his retirement immediately. So the Sounders put out uh, word of that earlier in the day. Chad Marshall, the great uh, defender, out and gone. And my only thought is, it's about time. Good riddance. I'm glad Chad Marshall is retiring. Go away. All right, we'll let the uh, panic subside. He's he's good. He's too good. I want him gone, right? If you don't root for Seattle, then you got to sports hate a guy like Chad Marshall because he's too good. What a career he's had, and I'm glad he's gone. It'll weaken Seattle's defense. I don't care what anyone says. So good. Just in case, you know, if you're a fan of one of the L.A. teams or another Western Conference, you might have to meet Seattle in the playoffs. See you, Chad. But in all seriousness, he is was a fantastic player. Is a fantastic player. What a career. Uh, obviously spent a lot of time in Columbus with Columbus Crew as well. So kudos to Chad Marshall. He's one of the greatest So in MLS history, no doubt. And I love this league. So, actually, it is good to see him go because he's too good. And, again, what a career he's had, and uh, we wish him nothing but the best, clearly. I mean, kind of. <laughs> you get the point. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, speaking of uh, the Gold Cup, as I mentioned, it get, kicks off June 15th right in our backyard here at the Rose Bowl, right? The first two games should be an interesting night. Mark Anthony K on Canada. We suspect he'll be in the starting lineup there, all things being equal, as they take on Martinique in the first game of the Gold Cup. And then it's Mexico-Cuba right immediately following it. So there'll be probably 90-some thousand at the Rose Bowl that night. And then it gets going the next day, you know, virtually, as you know, with these tournaments every day. Essentially, there's games. United States kicks off against Guyana on Tuesday, a couple days later on the June 18th in their group, which also includes Panama and Trinidad. Now this, uh, Mexico, of course, Canada, Cuba, Martinique. Uh, Nicaragua's in a group with Haiti, Costa Rica, and Bermuda, and El Salvador, Jamaica, uh, Curaçao, and Honduras. So those are the groups of all these. Now the provisional 40-player rosters were announced. CONCACAF has them, and I took a peek at them. A lot of names you'd be familiar with, of course, with MLS being here and the league MACs, you know, no doubt. Uh, some interesting names I mentioned, Mark Anthony K, Dayan Yakovic, both of LAFC. They're on the initial roster. Now, what does that mean? Well, these are 40-man rosters, so these will be pared down heavily, right? They're going to be almost cut in half, not quite. But So there's a lot of MLS names on these rosters, and LAFC with the... Uh, you know, that's Christian Ramirez, obviously. And then you've got Tyler Miller and Walker Zimmerman, as we mentioned, on the roster for the U.S. It's a preliminary roster. We'll take a look at the U.S.'s. Among them, a whole lot of MLS influence, needless to say. Again, that's not exactly surprising. Sebastian Legette from the Galaxy, of course, there as well. So 
Columbus crew has what Zach Steffen, Will Trapp, Jossie, Jossie Zardes. So yeah, it's it's MLS players virtually up and down. There's a few that aren't in MLS, of course. You're always going to have some of the you know players from Europe. The Tyler Adams, formerly of the Red Bulls, of course, plays with RB Leipzig, and uh, you know guys like Weston McKinney, etc. We suspect we'll see Christian Pulisic making the final roster now of Chelsea, right? As they just announced that official move, since it is summer. And he'll be a Chelsea player here in the next season. So so interesting stuff. Uh, you know, Mexico's 40-man provisional, like everybody else's, is going to be pared down pretty heavily by the time we get there. But, you know, there's some familiar names. Jonathan Dos Santos, one of them. And, you know, with him struggling, Uriel Antuna gets on the provisional roster. That's a very nice move. Interesting move. I'd love to see him make that final roster for El Tri. I don't know that that's going to happen. I'm not rooting against him by any means. I'd love to see it, but this is a pretty uh, pretty good lineup. I know there's a lot of players missing. We've talked about that. We talked about that with Tom Marshall recently here on the show. Covers El Tri for ESPN and ESPN FC. Yeah, a lot of players missing, but there are still a lot of very good players that are going to be on that Mexico roster when all is said and done come kickoff on June 15th for uh, Tata Martino. So this this roster is still going to be loaded for a guy I want to see. I want to see a lot of, boy, I hope, you know, this is an interesting roster. Now, we know all the usual suspects, guys who have been around for a while, the Hector Herreras, the Miguel Ayuns, Andres Guadado. But it's, you know, let's get some of these young kids going. Not the least of which is Uriel Antuna. Right? Carlos Rodriguez. Guys that are, I mean, super young. I mean, some of the, you know, jeez. I can't believe how, I can't believe how this game is getting younger and younger while I get older and older. <laughs> Isn't that what they say? Yeah. So interesting stuff. And there is a, there's a ton of MLS players on virtually, like Honduras, for instance. Brian Acosta, Danilo Acosta. Tons of MLS players, Albert Elise. So a lot of dangerous, uh, you know, players from MLS that are on a lot of these teams. It's going to be a lot of fun. Again, kickoff June 16th. I can't, or June 15th, I beg your pardon. I can't wait. I I know everybody talks, well, it's the goal. I love these big competitions like this. I love these competitions where you're in a group stage and you got to kind of figure, figure it out. You don't know who's going to start every game necessarily. Managers have a lot of good decisions to make who they play, who they don't at times. It's fun over the course of a short amount of time, right? Just essentially a few days in between each game because in the group stage, it's it's a little bit compact because, you know, this tournament has to get over with. You're only talking about three or four days in between games. And, you know, they got to they gotta blast through this thing. The final is July 7th. By the way, what a day that's going to be. I didn't even realize this till recently. Does anybody else notice? Did anybody else notice July seventh? Holy cow! Final of the Gold Cup. Now I'm not. These are not in order because I believe the Gold Cup is last on the day. Final of Copa America. Final of the Women's World Cup. All on July seventh. What? Yes. The same day, all staggered. So uh, basically, tell your significant other on that Sunday, July seventh. You're busy. Right? I mean, come on. That is going to be an embarrassment of riches that day for football. I absolutely cannot wait. 
But what I love is they also squeeze in a couple MLS games. I mean, really? I know uh, they're on before that. Thankfully, the Gold Cup gets go. you know. But, yeah, Atlanta United, New York Red Bulls, NYCFC, and Portland Timbers. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. What a day it's going to be that day, July 7th. Oh, massive. Cannot wait. So that'll be a lot of fun. No question about it. I'm looking forward to those. And speaking of, uh, you know, those competitions, right? Now, and I, I, I talked a little bit earlier about FIFA and everything else. This CONCACAF Nations League, we finally learned who's, you know, when the dates are for this stuff. Because we knew what was going on. But now we know the scheduling, which I wanted to go over a little bit as well. The CONCACAF Nations League, you know, it's kind of like the UEFA thing. It's, you know, they're they're trying to put teams essentially together to make it, you know, good competition, right? So it's another competition that's kind of off years where you're still playing teams that at least you're kind of, you're supposed to be equal to. Then you move up and down based on that. Now, of course, the United States is in the biggest, like, League A. And we're with the mini group of Canada and Cuba. In case you're wondering, if you never heard of this, well, now you're listening and now you're hearing it. Okay? So we're in with Canada and Cuba in this whole thing. And I'm looking for the dates here. They already announced them, and I'm trying to find where in the world ours is. So give me a second. Yeah, there we go. We play Cuba on October 11th, which is cool. You know, that'll be fun, right? As, as Cuba is also in Group A or in the League A, and then we play the Canada on the fifteenth, so just a few days later. In that, that's in that uh, the window. Actually, it's the window right after MLS's regular season, and we're not doing playoffs at that time. They're actually skipping that time period, which is a fantastic idea. Remember, we talked about that for MLS. So a lot of good decisions coming down, not only from FIFA, Concacaf, even MLS making some good scheduling decisions, which we love. We love to hear about. We love to see that out of both the FIFA and CONCACAF. Still so much more to get to. We've got the LA Care injury report. We've got stoppage time. All of that and so much more. Soccer Weekly, don't forget, hit me up on the uh, podcast. If you miss any of the show, if you missed the interview with Christian Ramirez, if you missed anything going on week by week, you can go to the ESPN Pod Center, download it. You can subscribe. Go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. Just look for Soccer Weekly with Dave Denholm. And uh, again, subscribe, rate, and review helps us out tremendously. This is the home of world football in Southern California as we roll on here on Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Hit me up on Twitter at TalkSoccer, Soccer Weekly. Of course, LAFC coming up on Friday, taking on a Montreal Impact at the bank. You'll hear it right here on ESPN LA, the home of the black and gold. Also, LA Galaxy will be in Orlando for a matchup against Orlando, who's been very up and down. I mean, Nani's been a great signing for Orlando. But that is a team you just don't know what you're going to get out of Orlando City Soccer Club, or OCSC there. And so LA Galaxy in desperate need of the full three points on the road without Zlatan, because that's the second game of his two-game suspension, and going all the way across the country into that heat. Good luck. That's going to be a very, very difficult. Speaking of difficult, it's never fun to talk about, but it's time now. For the L.A. Care Injury Report, it's always good to point out that at L.A. Care, our mission has always been to provide quality, affordable health care coverage to all Angelinos. For more information, visit LACare.org today. L.A. Care for all of L.A. For LAFC, you still have some question marks behind Eduard Atuesta's right knee sprain. 
He missed that game after coming out as a sub in the first, or to be subbed, I should say, in the first FC Dallas game with that knee sprain. He then missed the game in Dallas, and he's still listed as questionable. Stephen Badeshore had to leave the game, the second game against Dallas, with a bit of a what looked like a hamstring, but uh, he's still trying to recover, so he is uh, a question mark as well. For the Galaxy, it's a little bit more long-term, obviously, for Roman Alessandrini. He's going to be out till later in the season, possibly well, I don't know, three, four. I mean, it's a long-term, four months even, back uh, when he had, he had knee surgery in late April. And then, of course, Perry Kitchen's still trying to make his way back to full and complete health, so he's on his way. So, you know, not uh, I mean, obviously, Alessandrini is a huge miss for the Galaxy, but uh, both teams decently healthy. I mean, you're always going to have some kind of nagging things. Hopefully, the Atuesta and Betashore and all, those are not long-term things by any means. So, we'll see what happens there. Time now for everybody's favorite. It is stoppage time. What time is it? It's stoppage time! Yeah! Stoppage time! It's stoppage time! Right now! Producer of this show and of LAFC here on ESPN LA and host of Stoppage Time, the great Mario Reese. How are you, buddy? I'm great, Dave. How are you, my man? Good, man. Good to talk to you. What's going on today for uh, Stoppage Time? All right, we got San Jose Earthquakes forward Chris Wondolowski scored four goals on Saturday. Four goals, tying and later surpassing Landon Donovan's all-time scoring record of 145. Uh, Wando now has 148 regular season goals. Where do you think Wando fits in MLS history, Dave? Yeah, you know, first of all, I love the fact that he just blew by the record on the day. You know what I mean? Four goals. What a way to break it, right? I know. That's awesome, frankly. And I look, I sports hate the San Jose Earthquakes, and he's been a long-time part of that, so I kind of sports hate Chris Wondolowski. But you can't really, you can't do anything but root for the guy. He's, he's oh, by all accounts, just a great guy. There's some interesting numbers here, Mario. He did, he did score the four goals. What I like about it is he didn't break the record with a bunch of penalty kicks at the end of his career. You know, kind of like gifts from his teammates right. or anything. He's only had 25 penalties scored in his whole career, which is really? less than Landon Donovan, wow. far less than Jaime Moreno. Who had forty four to have his, this record yeah. and only have twenty five PKs? Wow. Yeah, I mean one hundred and forty eight goals now. So, but uh, to your initial question, is he the best soccer player in the history of MLS? Of course not. I mean, Landon Donovan blows him away in terms of that. I mean, the guy has ninety seven more assists than Chris Wondolowski did. Now, again, he's a striker, and Donovan was more of the facilitator, winger, forward, midfield. You know, kind of a hybrid at times. Jeff Cunningham. You know, you can compare Wondolowski to a guy like Jeff Cunningham, although Cunningham even took more games, frankly, to get to the record. Jaime Moreno has still played in two more games in MLS history than Chris Wondolowski did. Uh, So, yeah, he is up there as a striker, as a forward, no doubt about it. But, I mean, is he one of the best of all time in MLS in terms of overall? No, there's been plenty more players, but he would tell you that. But, man, I mean... I don't know if it's going to be any time too soon that anybody breaks the record, Mario, just because, you know, the way MLS is changing, Mario, and that's why I wanted you to uh, wanted to bring this up. I'm glad you brought it up. I this is going to be my follow-up question, actually. Is anybody going to break this record? Yeah, that's a great question because, look, here's the thing about MLS. A lot of, it's changing, right? We're going after younger players, going after players that you hope to sell eventually. Exactly. And potentially. Or you're getting a guy like a Carlos Vela to come in when he's 29, you know, and still at the height of his powers, obviously. But Carlos Vela is not going to break Chris Wondolowski's record in all likelihood. You know, I mean, it just would take too long. 
or you get Zlatan, who will come in and score a bucket of goals over a short period of time. It's going to take a long time for anybody to get anywhere near Wondolowski and Landon Donovan here on this list. Chris Wondolowski is going to be the goal-scoring leader in MLS for a very long time. Dave, after $72 million transfer fee to Chelsea, Christian Pulisic wants to follow in Eden Hazard's footsteps at Chelsea next season. Uh, Pulisic told PBC uh, Sport, it is incredible to see what Eden can do. He is a guy to look up to and what I would love to become. Mm. Dave, how... How is Christian Pulisic going to fit in there at Chelsea? He's going to fit in very, very well. He's going to fit in like a 70-plus million-dollar player fits in. He's a very confident guy. He's ready to battle. And, you know, look, he had his ups and downs this season with Dortmund, not the least of which was because they sold him earlier. You know, they sold him in January. He was loaned back. And Dortmund wasn't going to play him that much, to be fair. I mean, there was really no reason to. And I'm sure Chelsea didn't really want him playing all that much. But he did end up finishing strong and having a pretty uh, a pretty nice run towards the end of his stay there with Borussia Dortmund. And the fans love him. The kid works hard. He's great. He's got all the skills. Bucket of skills. I mean, I haven't seen an, uh, uh, an American player with more skills, except for, I know I'm going to whisper this for Freddie Adu, but I'm talking about, like, this guy's the real deal, Mario. He's going to be fine. Chelsea's not spending $70 million just to sell some jerseys in America. They can do that with anybody, American or not. He is that good, and he is going to be a fantastic player for Chelsea coming up. No doubt about it. I mean, there's a reason he's got a record transfer fee for an American fully deserved, and he's only 20 years old, for crying out loud. I mean, this kid is going to be something special. Well, hey, great stuff there, Mario. Always appreciative. Thank you, I, Dave. You know, I, it is funny, though, Go back, going back to the Wondolowski thing, yeah. I ended up pulling up the list, Mario, okay. as we were talking about, of the all-time scorers. So stoppage time might be done, but we've got a few minutes left here. And I wanted to throw some names out at you, because I know you've been following the league since virtually the first time they kicked off, right? I mean, you know, yeah. back in 1996, you were probably, what, one year old back then? <laughs> you were so, yeah, you know. I was two, Dave. Two. Okay, so Mario Reyes has been around for a while following sure, the league. Sure, yeah, sure. I know, he's a little older than that, but, you know, it's cool. <laughs> I was already practically an old man at the time, so we've been following it since the first kick, that that Eric Winalda goal, remember, for the San Jose Clash. Oh, yeah. In the first ever game that we all were so worried was going to end up nil-nil because, heaven forbid, Americans would sit through a game with no goals. You know, like at that time, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, this might be the end of the world. Eric Winalda saved everybody's bacon on that first MLS game. But it got me to thinking about, as I look at this list and some of the uh, players, the, you know, there's a guy, like, interesting enough, who do you think is, like, fifth, let's say, in all time? And you're not going to know right off the top of your head. But it's fun to kind of point out, Kai Kamara has been around for a while in MLS. He's fifth. Fifth, okay. Behind Jaime Moreno. Jeff Cunningham in third. Moreno and Cunningham were only a goal apart, and then Landon separated himself from Cunningham by 11 goals, and now Wondolowski is, in fact, separating himself. If he scores four goals a game the rest of his career, look out. Ante Razov is sixth. Nice. LAFC coach. Nice. And we do see Ante trying to teach the young ones how to put the ball in the back of the net. All the time. People forget this dude, 66 assists from Razov. Now, a lot of people would, and this is what struck me, as I watched Ante Razov in his career, and I love Ante Razov, I don't know him very well. I don't even talk to him much at LAFC, if I'm being perfectly honest. But I, I say this in all love 
he could score goals, but I thought he was more selfish than what he was. 66 assists is not bad for a dude who's scoring that, you know, a pure forward, a pure striker, essentially, in my opinion, and way more assists than Chris Wondolowski has had. Now, again, no disrespect to Chris Wondolowski. He is there to score goals. Way more assists than Kai Kamara has had, or even a guy like Bradley Wright Phillips, who's a pure striker, too. But Ante Razov, wow. Wow, I mean, yeah, that's a ton of assists right there. 66, 66 wow. assists. Yeah, yeah not bunch. too shabby. Uh, there's one more name on the list that I want to bring up. Now, he did spend a lot of time with the hated San Jose Earthquakes, but Dwayne D. Rosario, who's a little farther down on the list, Mario, the only reason I want to bring this up is if you're kind of new to MLS, maybe you are, maybe you're not, or if you don't even like the league, go find what I consider, and I, I mean this sincerely, the greatest free kick of all time in soccer. And I don't think that's hyperbole. I really believe it could stand up to any free kick you've ever seen. I'm talking any Beckham, any Messi, any Roberto Carlos... Any Pele, Dwayne Di Rosario scored a free kick goal. You can see it easily, uh, you know, on YouTube or whatever, against the Galaxy of all teams. Against that, Elgato. Yeah, Elgato, exactly. Yeah. The greatest free kick I've ever seen, Mario. You yeah. remember it, don't you? That thing was swerving. Go find it during this week and tweet at me at Talk Soccer and watch it if you're young or if you haven't been watching MLS that long. Just Google it. Find it and watch the greatest free kick you will ever see. And it was a pretty distant kick there, oh, too. My it wasn't goodness. really that close. No, and it was just an absolute thunderbolt. I mean, it was a lightning strike. Yeah. And the swerve on it and everything. And there was nothing Kevin Hartman was going to do about it. Literally, it was in the back of the net and in the corner. It was a thing of beauty as much as I hated San Jose, no doubt about it. Hey, I'm Dave Dunham. Thanks again to Mario Reese and all the gang back at the ESPN LA. Who, cover, who take care of us each and every week here on the home of world football in Southern California. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review on the ESPN Pod Center and iTunes for Soccer Weekly. This is Soccer Weekly in the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710.